0: Jewish Latin Princess episode 167, Rivka Libowitz, financial consultant, author, and founder of Living Financially Smarter in Israel.
1: You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself, seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host,
0: Yael. Living in Israel as a new immigrant? Thinking of moving to Israel? Making Aliyah? Today's show is for you. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael your host. Welcome to the show. Today, I have Rivka Lebowitz, founder of the popular Facebook group, Living Financially Smarter in Israel. But before I brag about Rivka and introduce her to you, I want to remind all of you that the Bitachon Boost retreat is happening this Sunday, July 25th. I hope you've all registered and will be there. Early bird pricing was extended till after Tisha B'Av, as per some of your requests, But the price will go up tonight, Monday at midnight Eastern Standard Time. So if you haven't grabbed your spot, do so now. Our private Facebook group will also open this week where we will... Start the conversation and get ready for the retreat. And as I said last week on the show, we will continue working on implementing the tools that we learn in during the one-day experience throughout the 30 days after the retreat, right there together inside the group. So the Bitachan Boost retreat is more than a one-day experience. My colleagues and I want to make sure that you really take what we teach you to heart and feel supported in implementing it and have the needed encouragement and support to continue on this journey of implementation. And what better way than with a community of women who, like you, have been part of this retreat and want to make Pitajon actionable and a part of their daily lives. So join us on Sunday, July 25th from 10 to 6 Eastern Standard Time. We will have so many hands-on activities and exercises. You are going to be super engaged. And even if you know that, there's a certain time of the day or for a period of the day that you might need to log off and tend to other responsibilities rest assured that being there for some of it will be worth it and that you will have all the replays for life as well as access to the workbook the materials the tools and of course that community element. Yes, I'm encouraging you to register even if you know that you can't commit to being there the entire day because I know how powerful and life-changing this event will be and I'd rather you be there for some of it live and supplement it with the replays and become part of the whole community experience so that you can implement what you're going to learn either live or through the replays. Then sit and wait for another opportunity. This is the opportunity, ladies, and this is what's going to change your life lives and the world. So grab it and grab it with your early bird price of $127 by midnight Eastern Standard Time tonight, Monday at Princess.com forward slash retreat. And so now let's talk about today's guest all the way from Israel where we all wish we could be and we hoped we were going to be before Sunday's fast, but here we are Monday morning talking to the fantastic Rivka Leibovitz. Rivka Leibovitz is on a mission to change the Israeli financial image, something I like no longer the place it was 30 years ago, right? Today, Israel is a thriving nation, as we all know, and the standard of living is following suit. As a successful financial consultant, Rivka has helped thousands of individuals challenge money perceptions and develop the tools they need to succeed financially in Israel. She is the founder of the 30,000 plus member Facebook group, Living Financially Smarter in Israel. She's the author of Smarter Israeli Banking and the creator of the Financially Smarter Couple online course. She is a popular speaker, both in Israel and abroad, and we have the pleasure of having her with us today. What motivated Rivka to help Olim Khadashim become financially smarter in Israel? What are the things that we need to have in place to succeed financially in Israel and is it all doomsday? Are they your success stories? What differs between those who make it and those who don't? It's not just the amount of money they came with necessarily as you will soon hear. What was Rivka's own journey as an entrepreneur in Israel? Listen carefully. And what kind of financial preparation or runway did she have to leave a stable job in the banking sector and go on her own? The answer might shock you. All of this and more with the wonderful Rivka Lebowitz. Riska thank you for joining me in Jewish Money Matters. How are you? Hey,
2: thank you for having
0: me. Doing great. Are you joining us from all the way the land of Israel?
2: And where in Israel are you? Um, yes, I'm joining you from Israel and I'm joining you from Amoshev, south of Bit Shemesh.
0: Oh, very nice. So pretty close to your line. Would that be fair to say?
2: Yeah, like 35 minutes from Jerusalem, something uh, like that. Uh-huh. Very beautiful here out in the countryside.
0: Oh, nice. Very nice. Well, I already bragged a little bit about you in the introduction, but I wanted to get us started with um, your role as a voice of financial wisdom in, in regards to Israel, meaning like you've become like this expert helping so many people succeed financially in Israel. And I'd love for you to give us the backstory about how and when did this become your mission? And um, yeah, take us take us back in time and explain that to us.
2: Okay. So first of all, like when I was finishing high school and, you know, all your friends are like discussing what they want to study. I was like, I want to help people with their money. Like I just knew that I wanted to help people with their money. Like I was waiting to my 18th birthday to buy my first stocks. I was wow. Yeah, I don't know like where it came from exactly, but I was always super interested in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't a profession at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I applied to to learn uh, finance, and I, you know, I got a job as a investment uh, advisor, portfolio manager in Israel. I worked in 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 there for a while, and you know, so I was helping people with money make more money, and then I was a banker. And the whole time I still had this dream that like, I just want to help people do well in Israel. And when I was a banker, I saw so many only make mistakes. I was a banker in Ramat Shemesh. 2006 to 2008, there was tremendous Aliyah. And I just saw so many people make mistakes. And I was like, I could change this. Like, I could really help their Aliyah if I went out and opened my own business doing this.
0: That is okay. so interesting. So first of all, did you make Aliyah yourself or you grew up in Israel?
2: So I made Aliyah, but not myself. My family came when I was 12 from wow. Glasgow, Scotland.
0: Wow. Okay. So you did high school in Israel, you graduate, you get this job. So you mentioned that you start to see these mistakes. What were what are those mistakes that you saw people making them?
2: So the economy in Israel is different. Okay, the life in Israel is going to be different than other countries. Every mm-hmm. country is, you know, unique and got its ways and how things work. And Olim didn't know how things worked. So like, I don't know, I'll share a story like somebody, let's say, decided to buy a car. So they put down, you know, 200,000 shackle for a car, which you know it was like $60,000 or $50,000 at the time and they bought a car cuz it's major tax here and then they didn't have enough money for a 25% down for a down payment for a house mm-hmm. and had they structured their finances different differently um, like bought the house and then maybe leased on the car they'd have been mm-hmm. able to buy property and then they're stuck without a property in Israel and prices in Israel have skyrocketed mm-hmm. and it locked them out of the market and that's just one mistake i saw so many things like that. Mm. Um, even something like keeping all your money in, in dollars, the shekel did really well against the dollar. Mm. So for You know, they came planning a budget on the dollar being four, 4.3. And then suddenly the dollar, I mean, now it's 3.2. This is many years later. But, you know, the dollar has not done well against the shekel. The shekel has done very well against the dollar, depending where you're looking at it from. And I just saw so many mistakes like that or people Mm. not understanding how the banking system worked and then bounced a check and then had bad credit rating, which we don't really use credit rating in Israel, but it does affect them. I just saw so many mistakes um, or overspending, just not realizing what Israeli salaries are going to allow. And people can make it in Israel; they just need to be maybe more careful or just spend differently than they might have before they made Aliyah.
0: You know, I hear you speak about the mistakes, and I've, I'm familiar with the content in your incredibly popular Facebook group, um, Financially Living Financially Smarter in Israel. Yes. I mean, talk about talk about a group that's like 30,000 plus members. And I have to say for listeners, it's not just a number of members. It's the level uh, of the conversation that happens in the group. Um, It's actually fantastic. But hearing you speak and hearing the questions that get asked in the group and get addressed by so many, yourself included, but so many who support each other makes me wonder um, if it's overwhelming there's a sense of this overwhelm with when it comes to moving to israel specifically i guess every move comes with you know its challenges but it seems like navigating the finances in israel is particularly challenging for people and i'm trying to wrap my head against you know
2: why that is (laughs) so i think you know, just the way things work in a new country. And once again, I'm not saying it's specific to Israel. Like I have a feeling that if you move from the U S to France, you might also find it challenging to understand and navigate things in a new country.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Maybe Israel's a little more difficult with that, but I, I don't even think so. I think just the way things work in different countries is different and people are moving to Israel and they don't always have this information. And they come and then they ask questions on the group. Um, and you can see like the questions vary so greatly. There's there's, very much a community feeling where people are happy to help each other from their experience that they learned. But so many things are different. Insurance works differently, life insurance, uh, mortgages, um, bank accounts, like just so many things work differently. Salaries, you know, taxes taken at source in Israel, pension funds are compulsory. And that is not information that people necessarily know. So this group, you know, is a great place for people to ask questions and just get the information.
0: And, and so, so on that note, and getting a little bit tactical, what do you think are the things that if we are considering moving to Israel, if when we want to be financially smart and be ahead rather than have a shock when we get there, what are the things that we need to be preparing for? And, and, and that way also people could have a sense of, you know, how much time it's gonna get me take me to get there, to have all my, you know, docks in place, so to speak? What are those things that I you would say are smart to have done before you take the leap?
2: So I think knowing what your financial situation is and knowing what your expectations are and being able to build a post-Israeli budget before you make Aliyah is super important. Did because- you sorry to cut you off? Did you just say a post-Israel budget? Is that what you said? like a post Aliyah budget mm-hmm. before you make Aliyah. Mm-hmm. So that you have a sense for how much money life might cost you. Like, it sounds great. I'll move to Jerusalem or Yerushalayim, whatever you call it. I'll move there and it'll be all great. And then and then reality is that maybe it really doesn't work on the expected Israeli salary or mm-hmm. whatever. So I think that people in their native country don't always need to be as financially aware as they do when they move to Israel. I think Mm. that's also very important. Like if you're like, oh, I don't need to keep to a budget. I don't need to know what's going on because, you know, we get by, we're fine. I think when you're moving to a new country sitting down in advance knowing your net worth knowing what you have knowing how long you can wait till you have a job if you're looking for a job knowing if you know if you have a job or you're retiring to Israel whatever that you have x amount of money what happens if the dollar rate changes just having the knowledge in advance is super super helpful
0: mhm 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 and 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 the liquidity right <laughs> like we, and and I think that that goes with any move right? Moves tend to be expensive, expensive, and it tends to be more expensive than we think those first few months tend to be, you know, you have to have you have to be prepared for the liquidity that that it's going to involve.
2: Yeah, I think that's huge. And and we see that on the group. Sometimes people are like, Okay, I have no money, can I come to Israel? And other people are like, No, like moving country, moving to Israel, setting up your first apartment, paying maybe two, three months of rent as a security in advance, these sort of things. Are expensive. And yeah, people absolutely need to plan for that and make sure that they have the cash flow or the liquidity in advance so that they can make the move as successful as possible.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but it can be done. Let's, 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 let's give it a positive spin. It can be done, right? There are success stories
2: out there, aren't there? <laughs> oh my goodness, you gotta hear this. So last week I decided. That's it. We're going to highlight the success stories because there are so many success stories. I see them. I see them all the time. And so I sent out a survey. I just posted it on the group. Like anyone, like to fill out their success story. And we got a couple of hundred stories mm-hmm. in of people, Olim, who made it in Israel. They could define what they felt made it in Israel, but it doesn't really matter what it means. Right. If somebody's happy and feels they made it in Israel, that's good enough, right? Exactly. We don't need them to have a certain amount of money the stories are incredible. They're inspiring. They're heartwarming. They're just amazing The openness and what people were willing to do to make it in Israel in a good way. Um, And, you know, when I I asked one of the questions I asked in the questionnaires, are there any myths that were burst when you made it when you when you moved to Israel financially? Right. And one of the answers, that i got i think the answer that was most frequently answered is we thought you couldn't make it in israel and we see you can
0: wow
2: so inspiring it was that, so great that can't wait to great. like write all these up and get them out there to the world because there's so many people making it you come to israel and like you see the country's developed it's not what it was 20 years ago or 30 years ago the country has changed and developed and people still make these jokes that people used to make in the 80s about not making it in Israel. 1980. Okay, we're talking 40 years ago, people would make these jokes, and they're still making them it's no place for it in Israel. Now, Israel has moved ahead. And salaries are better. You know, is it all wow for everybody? No, but you can make it in Israel. And I'm going to highlight these stories to show people what it takes.
0: Amazing. I love this. I really, really love it. Was there a Thread or some commonalities that you saw among the people who answered these success th- stories?
2: Yes, an openness to change, an openness to take a leap of faith, an openness to do something scary. You mm, know, wow. like the first story that's going to come out is is a couple who were both in education, yeah, um, in the states, and um, they really wanted to live in Israel, and they moved, and they just saw that it wasn't going well financially. And they both ended up moving professions, which was very scary. And there was definitely ideals in being in in education. And they took the move and they didn't compromise their ideals or lifestyle or anything. And they're doing well. And they were my first story that's going to come out. And it's just like, they were just so open. Like, we want to make it in Israel. We want to do well. We want our kids to stay here. What do we need to, what changes do we need to make to do it? And that's what they did. And I loved it. It's just (laughs) such a good story.
0: I I love what you just said, because I don't think it's a particular to Israel or to a move. This is an important overarching theme in each and everybody's life, like a challenge that's presented to us, in particular, a financial challenge. Very often, we tend to have this... um, attitude of why is this happening to me and you know we get so constricted but you've just reflected a very beautiful attitude that is ideal for everybody which is what is the lesson that i need to take from this challenge what are the changes that i need to make it's not the education system it's not the israeli government it's what is this saying to me and it implies for my life and that is uncomfortable that's really so much harder than talking about how awful the salaries are in education and just staying stuck in that place or whatever you know
2: that other exactly. path might be. Exactly. I saw it even in myself. I was miserable at my bank job, miserable. And mm-hmm. I was so scared to hand in that resignation letter. So scared. To the point that I took it to work a few days in a row, and I didn't hand it in. And every day I came home, and my husband's like, "No, did you hand it in?" And I said, "No." So one day I see him um, just as I'm leaving. I see him outside the bank. There's like glass doors, and I see him there. And he's like, "Hand in the letter. Hand in the letter." And I needed him to do that because it was secure. And even I, who've gone such a journey since then you know there was and i knew i had to leave and i knew i wanted to leave and i knew i had a mission i was still scared so you can i can imagine for other people how scary that is to pick up and say okay i'm not doing what i was doing I'm doing something else i'm going out in the unknown i don't know what's going to be and yet so many times when i see people do that They fly beyond what they could have expected.
0: Yes, exactly. And that's precisely the point that we have to take from this, that the growth is on that other side. And it's, it's like, God is like putting on us in that place. And if we would just take the leap, right, because he knows what can be accomplished, we can't see it. We're so stuck. Right. And talking about yeah. that, you just said about your own journey, um, becoming basically an entrepreneur, why don't we go there a little bit? Because was this like, Did you gradually start doing this? Did you start taking some consulting clients on the side while you had your steady job? How did how was your transition? Or was it cold turkey? I put in my resignation letter and then um, I I figure it out. How did you do it? (laughs)
2: So first of all, you made a point a second ago about God, like sending us out, you know, sending us a message. So while I was at the bank, I trained someone. And one day I'm told that this guy that I trained, I was experienced in investments already, and I trained him, that he's going to be my boss. He got a major promotion. So I went to the manager and I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, why did he get the promotion? And he said to me straight out. He goes, oh, he's a man. You just want to be home in the kitchen. <gasps> Can you imagine? "Gosh," I'm And I was just like, you mean this happens in Israel too? <laughs> it shouldn't happen anywhere. Oh but yes, it happened. Oh my gosh. So I was just like, first of all, I you got the wrong woman.
0: I'm I feel your woman. pain. I've been there <laughs> in a bank. Yes. Uh-huh. You have. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you get it. I get it.
2: So. I had two choices at the time. I went to a lawyer. I could sue the bank 100% could prove I was way more qualified. There was no reason whatever. And the guy said, listen, they might, you'll win, but they might take five years of your life. Yeah. And he said, your other choice is just walk away and start your dream business. Because I told him I had this dream. And I took the second choice and I'm so happy I did because, yeah, I could have sued and I could have been right. But being right wasn't actually so important. Mm -hmm. It actually was God giving me that little push Mm -hmm. to get out of the bank because I had better things to do.
0: Yeah. And look what you've built, right? You you wouldn't have wasted five years uh, sucking the life out of you having this fight, right? And now look what you've built in this time. It's unbelievable. So you leave. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tell us.
2: No, so you you asked me, I, I sort of jumped back. So you asked me a question about like, did I try to go cold turkey? So the answer is yes, you're not allowed to do any other work while you work for an Israeli bank. Oh, so I had no clients on the side. I had volunteered for an amazing organization helping people um, with a personal finance, um, but I had never you know, I hadn't built a business, I wasn't allowed to. So yeah, I left really scary and built up. And um, it's been quite a journey, a great one, but and, and I had no idea where it would take me.
0: And what were what were those first initial steps? Did you start with just opening a Facebook, the Facebook group that we know today off today? Or what was the first initial baby steps to get you uh, running?
2: So I started spreading the word on uh, I think Google Groups were the thing at the time. <laughs> 12 years ago, I started sort of spreading the word and writing some articles and doing some stuff like that. And then one day, a few years into it, maybe two years into having the business, um, which was slow, but I was getting clients. It was okay. It was, you know, new business. Yeah. Um, I went to a talk and a marketing talk, and the guy giving the talk said, you should open a Facebook group. Like to me, he said to me, I should open a Facebook group. Now I am not, I was not, maybe I am now. I wasn't necessarily an early adapter type. I wasn't the type to like run in the second things happen. I'm like, okay, I'm solid, you know? And um, I was like, okay, I'll open a Facebook group. You know, maybe my mom will join or whatever. <laughs> and when we got to a hundred members, I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is so huge. And now we're at 32, 33,000, something like that. Um, So no, I had no idea what was expected from the Facebook group. I mean, now looking back, everyone knows what Facebook can do and you know how big groups got but we're talking what nine 10 years ago, nobody knew what was going to be with it. And Mm -hmm. so I had no idea that the Facebook group was going to take off. Um, I got yeah it was it was a surprise for me more than anyone else Uh, i'd love to say you know yeah i got in there and i planned to have the biggest english-speaking facebook group in israel about finance no that really wasn't it was a you know it was just something that was supposed to happen and i'm very thankful it did i'm very thankful i went to that talk and i'm very thankful to the to the guy who spoke about marketing who uh said you should open a facebook group um but it really wasn't something I planned.
0: Talking about staying in this theme of your own entrepreneurial journey, your husband is helping you, is giving you the encouragement to leave the this position, right? And you know, it's the right thing to do. Um, financially, though, what were the considerations or the converse? What were the conversations like between you and him regarding you know, can we actually do that? Not count on my stable income? Because, you know, you get used to that stability
2: of that check and those benefits, right? Totally. And we're talking, it was 2008. Do you remember the crash in 2008? Oh, oh I, I oh my goodness, right? do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're
0: talking, talking not a fun time, not necessarily oh, yeah. the time you want to start becoming an entrepreneur. And <laughs> Exactly.
2: So his business was going under at the time. His business oh. was not doing well at the time because yes. he realized on tourists and hotels. And yet he was encouraging me. And I kept saying, how could I be a financial advisor and not have secure income? And um, yeah, those were our conversations. And he was like, go for it. This is, you know, this is what you need to do. And he was so supportive. Um, and I have an incredible grandmother. Um And she also, very business-minded, she's in her mid-90s and very business-minded. And she also, she was like, make this happen, leave the bank, Don't, don't give up your happiness and what you want to do for a secure income. And I did it, but it was very scary, very scary. And people listening who know they should leave something and go for something better, I know it's scary, I've been there, but when you know you're supposed to do it, go for it.
0: I so appreciate the honesty and I'm going to be just as honest with you and the listeners right now. I got chills when you said that because not too long ago, my husband did the exact same thing. He oh, wow! left his very stable job that he'd been there in for a while and we decided that he was going to become an entrepreneur again. My husband had been an entrepreneur for many years, but then he went into a more stable job and... Not only was it a huge risk, obviously, and it was uncomfortable as you're describing, and we knew that, but at some point I remember saying to my husband, "Uh, I feel like I'm doing the exact opposite of what I teach people. I don't feel like we have that financial runway that we're supposed to have to do this, yet I know that you have to do this and that we have to do it and we're going to do it. So that's all to say that Yes, we can be really smart. And we have to try to, you know, do things in an organized fashion and take make the right moves. There's sometimes there's a leap of faith. And I'm not saying be irresponsible. I'm not saying, you know, I have income on myself, and we had some savings, but it wasn't like, you know, the ideal, like, I didn't feel like we had six months. And you know what, it's all worked out really, really great. Like, Beyond my expectations or his expectations, and so what's the message here?
2: (laughs) I I think the message is: Would I have told myself had I met myself then today? Had I met someone wanting to leave the bank whose husband was going under, would I have told them to leave the bank? I know. You know, and I've seen this come up many times where people are like, have something they want to do, and they don't have six months of savings, and the world is going under, like two thousand and eight. Yeah, and. Sometimes you say to people, you know what? If you have a reasonable plan, it's not something, you know, out there that's impossible because some people want to start businesses and you look at the business plan and you're like, I don't know, the numbers don't work, it doesn't look right, it's too optimistic, you're going to work 24 hours a day to make money, you know, that kind of thing. But sometimes yeah, you say to people, you know what? This doesn't go by the textbook personal finance stuff. Yeah. But it's time for you to do your thing.
0: Yeah. And, and I, and I'll add to that as I think, at least in my case, having been through 2008 and having faced becoming an entrepreneur, my husband becoming an entrepreneur again on 2008, because he lost his, his job then, um, made it easier this time around so much easier, um, on a psychological and emotional level, just the understanding that we know how to do this. Like, you know, it can be done. Um, so yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate this. Um, the entrepreneurial journey is not easy, but it can be done people. And look, it can be done in Israel, even if your husband's business is struggling. So right now, talk to us about your business. How, what, what exactly you're doing? Um, you're doing private clients, you're doing speaking engagements.
2: Give us a, the scope
0: of what you're doing currently.
2: So first of all, I'm answering questions on Facebook a lot. <laughs> okay, I'm there for the group. I'm there for people privately. You Always really are. Um, so there's that. I mostly do private consulting to individuals, either individuals who are high net worth, who you know want to make sure they're doing things smartly, or individuals who have a business mm-hmm. um, that's small, they don't know how to make money, maybe they are... Great at what they're doing, but they're not good at the money side of things and they need some help or individuals who've made Aliyah or not recently, but you know, and just want to know, they can, you know, they want sort of someone to handhold them through not making mistakes and it very frequently is people who are like we've been bad with money for 20 years or, or couples that couldn't have a money conversation. So I mm-hmm. also created, a, as part of my business, I created a course for couples to talk about money, which mm-hmm. is supposed to be for couples getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are mostly my focuses in business. I also speak. I've spoken for Nefesh B'Nefesh. I speak also in, in, uh, you know, in the US. I've spoken in Israel. I'm coming this summer to the US. I'm also going to be speaking nice. um, about preparing your finances for Aliyah. Um, that's what I do. Also wrote a book called Smarter Israeli Banking, where I explain the banking system.
0: Oh, that sounds really helpful. helpful.
2: Totally. Yeah, yeah, it's super helpful. I'm not a writer. Never was. Never expected to write a book. And I kept saying, maybe somebody will write a book about this. Maybe somebody will write a book. Uh, and eventually, I was like. I'm the person who needs Mm -hmm. to write this book. Isn't that funny
0: how God works, right? It's like, I'm waiting for you to step up. I have a plan here, lady.
2: (laughs) Hey, could somebody do this? And then it turned out it was me that was supposed to to do
0: it. We have to be available. Okay, God, use me. I'm here for this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know. But sometimes it's like, really? I got to write a book. I'm not a writer. I'm a numbers person. But yeah, but the book the book needed to be written. Someone had to explain banking to Alim, And when I told mm. bankers, I got a few bankers to check the book, to check it was accurate. It's like a very easy, easy to read book. It's not meant to be a hard book. It's like a reference book, but very, very easy. This is how checks work. This is how the app works. This is whatever. And I got Israeli bankers to check the book for accuracy. And they all said to me, why are you writing this in English? You should write it in Hebrew. Israelis don't understand the banking system either. Are you
0: serious? <laughs> yes. <don't> nice. Really. <laughs> very. That's, a, that's a great compliment. right? (laughs) That is fantastic. You know, I I, honestly, I think everybody who's considering Aliyah needs to meet with you be part of your world because it's, you know, one of the big things that I see comes up in your group is the question of taxes, right? There is that intricacy of that. I don't think it's, you know, it's necessary to every move. Although if you move Abroad, you still have to pay U.S. taxes. That's my understanding. But being that the Israeli tax rate is so high, it makes things a little bit more financially complex, right, to navigate.
2: So generally, when people make LA, um they have ten-year tax break for things outside Israel, passive income, house rental, stock portfolio. They don't need to report. This is general. This is not tax advice. That I'm just telling you. Right. So it does make it that little bit easier because you don't mm-hmm. need to. Do Report. You might not need to report Israeli tax when you first come. Israelis who are salaried very often don't need to report tax. It's not standard like it is in the states.
0: Oh,
2: everybody has to report tax. So yes, tax rates in Israel are high, and when people are offered salaries, one of the things they must ask is, okay, what's that going to work out after I pay my tax? Right. Because people tell me, oh yeah, I'm going to earn this amount, and I'm like, well, a minute. Once you take off tax and you get a bit of a tax break when you're in UAE, once you take off tax, actually that amount is that enough for you? And then you know it opens up questions. Mm. So the tax thing is definitely huge because Israel is giving this sort of tax semi tax break. You don't need to report um, for ten years. It sort of makes it that much easier. And You're also not double taxed and from from like from the US. You That's be awesome. Taxed. But still, you know, if you're paying capital gains tax in states of 20% and you pay 25% in Israel, it's not 20 plus 25, it would be 20. And then the extra five, if you were to owe it here. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's something else that people, especially people with money need to plan before they make Aliyah, find a, CF, a CPA in Israel, who knows both Israel and US who can deal with the situation, you know, to make right. sure that... it's Being done correctly. People have questions: should I keep my you know Roth IRA? Should I keep my 401k? How do I deal with these things? These are questions that a tax advisor needs to look at in your situation and, and you know figure that out.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Amazing. Now, let me ask you this, is there anything in particular regarding the new change in administration? We're just a few weeks into the new prime minister's term that we should be on the lookout that that would be affecting you think, um, Olim's um, finances or anything like that, that people need to be aware of?
2: I don't know of anything specific at this point.
0: Okay. So that's good to know people just follow the steps (laughs) and and get in that Facebook group and be part of the conversation, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You're going to gain so much from it. I'm serious. Like it's, it's unbelievable. I'm not necessarily moving to Israel, but I definitely enjoy reading the thread because it is, it is a really solid and group and very, very engaged with a lot of good with, you know, wisdom. So let me ask you on a more personal note about the way you grew up and how you know maybe there's some memories from childhood that you feel have shaped some experiences that you have that you recall that have shaped the way you are because you did note that from a very young age you helped people you like to you wanted to help people with their money. And let's not forget that your parents made Aliyah also when you were, you know, 12 years old, we are really absorbing what's going on. We're really getting a really clear understanding of money. So I wonder if, you know, I'm tying two questions into one. First, what is, you know, an experience from childhood that you think has shaped you, but then I would also like to hear about how they manage that transition. What did you remember? What do you remember from that?
2: So I remember them not having jobs. Um, wow. I remember it being a difficult, not not financially difficult, because they had money, but not jobs. I remember it being a transition, like definitely, and I was aware and interested and. I, I don't I don't know details, but I just remember it sort of being part of our life. I remember one of my teachers saying, you know, at the end of the year, she's like, oh, by the way, I looked at your, you know, parents file or whatever. I don't know what they had on file. And she's like, I saw that your parents don't have jobs. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, do you have anything to say about this? And I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, I didn't yeah. know what to say. But yeah, there definitely was a, a difficulty integrating. I think things have changed so drastically since then. Um, I mean, I see on the Nefesh FFish Board so many jobs, English speakers like it's really changed since they made oh yeah mm-hmm. um, but I do I do have those recollections of it being sort of an issue and how do you work if you only speak English and we're not good at learning the language and wow. how to only make it and definitely that was something that I grew up with and of course it impacted uh, yeah. of course it, it impacted me and impacted my will to see people really make it here.
0: And and definitely your sensitivity towards people today and their struggle today. It's so interesting that they made that courageous move of moving just with their savings. Basically, it sounds like that's what they did. And, and so did they become entrepreneurs or did they end up just taking salaried work at the time eventually?
2: So yeah, salaried work eventually, but it, it was a, it was a journey and it wasn't, it was something I looked at and I was like, I don't want to do that. I want mm-hmm. to learn. And, and, and I don't know, like, I want to understand what's going on. And I also saw not, not my parents, but other people who didn't make it in Israel financially. And I was like, they're leaving Israel, they made that big move, and they're leaving because they didn't make it financially. I oh. want to see if I can change that for people. Wow. And Thankfully, I I do believe that I'm helping many people so that they do make it in Israel and that we don't have that, because as I said, sometimes it's just income or whatever, but very, very often it's mistakes people are making or just not being, you know, open to the change or open to new things or whatever. And if we could just help them with various things, they really could make it in Israel.
0: You know, going back to those positive stories that you just gathered, you just reminded me as you were speaking that I remember hearing very often, and I probably still have this limiting belief that, well, those who make it, they're young, like they started, they did this transition when they're younger, Uh, you you know, the older you get, the harder it's going to get. And so of course, it'll be too hard for me. If I had done it, when I was in my beginnings of my marriage, it would be a different story. But it sounds like from all those positive stories, and hey, your parents did it already with, you know, a 12 year old, I don't know if you have siblings, but they did it later in life, it can be done again,
2: going back to the positive. So looking at these stories, some of the people definitely came when they were young and started out here. And that was helpful. And many of them didn't. Mm -hmm. Many of them didn't. And I think that with the world being so global now and so many people able to work online, the world's open to people from yeah. Israel, just like it is from anywhere else. You know, like I know people who sell things in eBay or Amazon and make a living. And I know people who kept their job from outside Israel and make a living. Meaning we're not just relying on Israeli companies and Israeli salaries though. Right. There's so many options out there. And I know so many women or men also who open businesses who are doing amazing things in Israel. And yeah, so we can complain Israeli companies don't always pay great salaries. First of all, there are plenty of companies that do, but they're more in the high-tech world, as is known. Um, And there are other industries that are doing better than they were. But many people open businesses here. It's very encouraged almost. like you just see encouragement. I remember telling a friend in England once uh, something about, oh, why don't you open a business? She's like, oh, we we don't really do that here. You know, like that's not, you know, we get a job at a firm in in the center of... And I was just like, no, in Israel, like that's totally acceptable. Like I'll try business and people will be super supportive.
0: I want to tell you something that my husband always says, Jews, we're not meant to work for other people. We're meant to be entrepreneurs. We're meant to be our own bosses. <laughs> oh my God. I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I, I can handle it. I have the stomach for it. And I love it. I have to say I do. But not everybody's cut out for it. But there, I think there is something to what it's saying.
2: Uh, <laughs> That's why he but, became his own boss again.
0: Because, exactly. And know. he's and he's so happy. And he's so happy. And, and and you know what, going back to something really beautiful that you said before, about encouraging people who feel like they have more to contribute to, to the world, that they have something that, that really they could be of service with this talent, this passion, you know, God needs you to do something that only you can do. And yes, it can be scary, but there's a God that runs the world. And he's put, if
2: he's put that in you.
0: It's your responsibility to respond the call. Obviously,
2: incredible stories for that. I did an article um, it was in the time of Israel many years ago about people who made it in Israel um, without a degree and without Hebrew, because I wanted to prove my point that it's possible. Nice. And I found plenty of people to interview. I think I interviewed three or four people. I don't remember exactly. And I just showed how they each opened a business and did something and are making it in Israel without a degree and without Hebrew. And my point was not that everybody could do that. My point was more like, look at what could be done.
0: Right, the possibilities. Right, because right. we don't know what we don't know. Right, but when we when we get familiar with this, or being when this becomes our circle of acquaintances or the conversations, it's like oh, it opens us our it opens our eyes to oh, this is actually real. This is a human being that is that I kind of know about, that I know that is, has done this, it becomes more of a reality for us.
2: Right, right. When we know other people with businesses and we see them succeed, it's like I'm sure people ask you and probably your husband now that he's got his own thing, you know, how did you do it? What did you do? And, you know, if we're happy to help people, they might make it too. Yeah. Hopefully we
0: will. Yeah. And you know what? Once you publish those stories, that's going to be an incredible source of inspiration and really practical inspiration because it beca- it's inspiration, but now we can take it into action. Let me go back to your childhood because we stayed in your parents. Anything memorable, um, not necessarily with the aliyah, but anything that you feel you were taught um that has had an impact in your financial and the way you manage your money.
2: Yeah, I am. Um, my dad used to get the Financial Times newspaper, which is a European financial top financial of newspaper. Course. And he used to get the paper and I would like ask him, what are all these numbers? What's that about? Do I want to buy? And then when I understood what shares were, I was like, okay, I want to buy shares and you have to wait till you're 18. Okay, fine. But like, it got me very interested in investing from a young age. And I nice. remember learning at one point fairly young, I saw this uh, graph, I'm sure you've seen it. If you start saving how to get to a million dollars, if you start saving it. I don't remember 20 or you start yeah. saving at 30 and the tremendous difference. And I was just like, I want to be that person. I want to like get in and I want to invest.
0: And good I remember that you. from
2: my childhood very much. Um, good for you and good yeah. for your
0: father. <laughs> you know, we hear so many stories of how women are not exposed so much to this type of conversations or topics, but wow, good for your father that um, he he was open to showing you and explaining you and just making you familiar with. Um, I was just having a conversation with somebody about the fact that I have utma um, accounts for my kids, whereas like an investment account that they have that I'm the custodian of, but I invest their money and they know like my daughter just told me, okay, she made all this money now babysitting and she told me how much to le- leave liquid in her, you know, cash account, savings account, and then how much to put in her investment account and invest it. And I just think it's so incredible that already kids at 11, 13 year olds can have this concept that I have money that's growing for my future.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, did this, I do the same with my kids. Um, when we know kids bar about mitzvah money. Right? I put it, invested it and showed them how it grew. And yeah, it's gonna sit with them for life. Like for, oh, my totally.
0: It's
2: for life. Best. For totally life, my for
0: life. My fifth, my fifth grader was just learning a unit on economics this, this past semester in school, and she comes home and she says, I told my teacher that I invest in the entire stock market, not in individual stocks. I was like, yes, <laughs> I love it. That's great. Is that great or what? <laughs> That's
2: the best. Poster it's child. Like when it's familiar, it's so much easier. Yeah. I always say, like in this couples course, I'm like, learn more. And we talk about investing, not specifics, no specific stock market, but just the concept of investing and the misconceptions we have that we don't even know about until we're like, oh yeah, I thought that. And I just tell people like the more they learn, the more money they're going to have and make and the more comfortable and once again I always say this it's never about money it's about lifestyle it's about values it's about living in Israel and in, in, in my case for, for the from you know the people I'm helping here that's what it's about it's not about being greedy it's just about money in the best purest sense of the word so that you have the resource to live your life
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And speaking about investing, I'm really curious. I actually do not know the answer to this question. You know, you, I know you know that in America, um, we have the ability to use robo advisors and, you know, investing becomes so much. It's just democratized in a, in a way, for lack of a better way. You know, when I was in banking, and I'm sure when you began, it was like the old school, you had to go to a broker and you had to sit behind the mahogany desk and you, you know, it was so intimidating. And there were all these fees involved. And it was so confusing. Right. Nowadays, you can open a low cost index fund account online and, you know, set your money on autopilot and just have it grow there very easily. Right. Do we have access to such types of products in
2: Israel? So unfortunately, Americans don't. Anyone else? Canadians, Wait, what? Canadians, all do. And it's not because of Israel. Israel will be happy for you to have access to that. It's because of the U.S. government, actually, on something called PFIC. I won't want to get into tax laws. Okay. But, but basically, Americans, when they come to Israel, can't buy mutual funds in Israel. They can't buy ETFs in Israel. They can't. Okay, you're hurting me right now. Yeah, <laughs> this, right. This, I know. This into technical detail, detail. Go on. Well, so what? Basically, a lot of people, at least when they first come, are going to keep their money in America because – of the American tax issues with many products, and it's not just Israel; it's products outside of the U.S. Uh-huh. And it's things people who haven't made Aliyah have never heard of. Like, why can't Americans invest? You know, what's wrong with a mutual fund in, in Israel or in, in any country? It's stuff you haven't heard of because if you're in the U.S., you, you can invest. You you know, you wouldn't know this. Um, so without no. getting too technical, there are products in Israel. There's plenty of products in Israel. It's not exactly the same or as sophisticated as the US market, but there definitely are. But um, it's unfortunately limited to American, limited for Americans um, due to this PFIC issue.
0: That is this I did not know and I wasn't expecting. You just burst a big bubble. Like, what yeah. do you mean I can't continue to buy? <laughs> index funds if i know you
2: buy index funds outside israel you Mm -hmm. whatever there are solutions people are working on solutions and working with two different groups We're trying to work on different solutions for americans um you know this is a fairly new problem when i was at the bank we were putting people's money into mutual funds and all these things um so there will be solutions there are solutions but uh, just know that this is it's, actually an issue. You hit yeah.
0: on an issue. <laughs> wow. It's not as straightforward as, you know, like I, I could tell my my clients or my friends, yeah, just open an, a Betterment account or a Vanguard account. And, you know, just we do it in America so easily, right? right. Okay. Great to know. Rivka, how, how would you describe your relationship with money?
2: Positive and relaxed is how I would describe Ooh. it now. And that's not how I would have described it years ago. Really?
0: Um
2: but yeah, positive, maybe even confident and relaxed. Like it's there. I have what I need. I'm sort of a feeling of, yeah, relaxed is actually a good word for
0: it. Wow. That's uh, unusual and very nice to hear. That's beautiful. Are there any particular habits or practices that you feel like you do regularly that help with, your, with, with that confidence and that you know, sense of calm? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, I automatically invest Hmm. I put aside um, pension, like I I make sure that everything from a financial planning perspective is, is set where it needs to be.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, And I educate my kids in that field too, which is which I also think is important for my future. Um, And um, I think habits, like I know, and this is something I do with clients also, like I, I know how much goes into the bank. I know how much is spent. I know how much the credit card can be. Credit cards in Israel, not really credit cards. We won't get into that. They're debit cards, but I know how much they can be. Like I know my numbers. So when you know your numbers and it works well, there's a certain like relax about it. And I yeah. see other people and I help them do the same. And it's like, I see the relax that comes over them too. It's like, oh, okay, I got this. I got this. It it rolls in a certain way.
0: And you know what? I'll add to that, that it doesn't necessarily even have to be that the numbers are all that great. I find that even if what the numbers are going to tell you is not so rosy, right? Perhaps, you know, you have more debt than you would want to have. And perhaps you're not saving as much as you thought you were saving or whatever the picture is. I do find that having that clarity with, with the numbers. And we often fear looking at those numbers. But once we tackle, we get past that fear, and we actually start engaging with the numbers and getting really clear on what they are, even if what they're telling us is not, you know, stellar, there is a sense of empowerment and control and calm that people are not expecting. We're expecting like, it's just going to make me feel even worse. I find it's the opposite. The numbers give us a tremendous sense of clarity. I
2: totally agree with you. I see this frequently. People are like so scared, and then when we look at the numbers or do something, even if the situation's not great, right? They're much calmer, knowing yeah. that knowledge is so powerful. Yes, and just knowing, like even if they're, as you said, in debt, but then they know, okay, my credit card will be this amount, I need to make that amount, and it's on track. That's calming. They right. don't need to be. You don't need to have a lot of money yeah. to feel like you know, it's all okay. It's under control. And I'm doing my best. Yeah. So
0: listeners take this as an encouragement for both Rifka and I to face (laughs) those numbers, because you're going to feel so much better, right? So much more empowered. Because again, now you have a now you can make a plan. Now you can actually make a concrete plan based on the numbers. Now I got to ask you, though, because You know, everything sounds amazing. Any financial mistakes? Come on, because I've made my share of financial mistakes. Have you have any of those that you're like, I can't believe I did that?
2: So this isn't really a a sort of a financial mistake. It was just something really silly that happened to me a couple of months ago. I accidentally sent my client money instead of asking for money for them. I was like, how did I do that? I sent the money like, hey, (laughs) you know, here's five hundred dollars instead of them paying me.
0: That's funny. Like,
2: What? that's pretty um yeah (laughs) I haven't done anything really stupid have I bought some stocks that fell and I was like oh that was stupid yes
1: yeah
2: um could leaving the bank when I left the bank have been really stupid in retrospect yes Mm -hmm. yes you know had my business not worked out it I would have looked really stupid here's this financial lady telling everyone what to do and it looks really stupid um yeah, that's what I have
0: to say about that. Wow. Cool, 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 cool. Okay. Let's do some jail some JLP. You see, guys, I'm still stuck on the old name. Let's do some Jewish money matters fill in the blanks before you tell us where we can be in touch with you and um where we can find you. So this is a part of the show where I'm going to give you an open-ended sentence and you're gonna, you know, finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. All right. When I give my sir or I'd like to give two.
2: Help people make it on their own.
0: Nice. So you like to give in to individuals, right?
2: I like to give individuals, or I like to give an organization that I know really helps the individuals get out of their situation, like beautiful. improve their life.
0: Beautiful, beautiful.
2: I'd love
0: to make more money because
2: I could help more people. Mm-hmm.
0: Something I wish I'd, I had learned about money growing up is
2: the kindness. I I see tremendous kindness, particularly with my very wealthy clients. Um, You know what? Particularly with all my clients, not the wealthy ones, everybody. I see incredible kindness with money that people don't always see on the surface. And I wish I'd Mm have known that always. Like, it's just unbelievable.
0: Wow. I love that you said that because so many of us carry this like negative association with wealth and, you know, wanting more and, you know, shame around that greed and, and, you know, wealthy people are, are greedy or are stuck up or this or that. And really if we take a step back and look at the, um, the impact, the beautiful impact that one can have with money and the kindness that comes out in practicality by having money. So, um, Glad you mentioned that. All right, money, spiritual or physical. What do we say?
2: Ooh, I have to choose one? Or both? Go for it. Uh, what do you I'm think? I'm going to choose both. Like there's there's an aspect there of both. If I have to choose one, I would actually go for physical.
0: Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Something I splurge on is unapologetically I splurge on this. What is Ooh, that?
2: I splurge on. <laughs> I think I'm about to splurge in a new car. Um, but I never splurged in cars. I have like the smallest, plainest cars in the world, but I really want an electric car. So I'm gonna splurge in a car, I think
0: now. Nice. Very nice. I think I have the I know the answer to that this one, but Rifka Levowitz, spender or saver?
2: Saver mostly. Investor. Mm-hmm. Investor, not saver, investor. Oh yeah.
0: Investor. Very My nice. Sleep, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice to hear because as just for listeners to know, unfortunately, women tend to not invest as much as their male counterparts. We are pretty good at saving, but we're really falling behind on that investment piece. So, you know, hear it from us. We both like investing. Do it. <laughs> I'm Rivka lebowitz And today I am most
2: grateful for Oh, my God, so many blessings. My family, my Mm -hmm. family first. I just have an incredible husband and kids, and I'm just so grateful for them.
0: Very nice. And finally, I'm Rivka Leibovitz, and I believe Jewish money matters because?
2: The Torah gives us such values, and it helps us live out our values.
0: Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Rivka, where can we find you? You are such a gem. Your work is so needed. Tell us where we can be in touch.
2: Okay, so Facebook, Living Financially Smarter in Israel, the obvious place. That's where I am. That's where it's happening. Um, And then Rivka, Rivka's with an F. Okay, F for finance. Uh, so it's Rivka at The website's Um, All my details are there. The course for couples is there. The book is there. Nice. It's all there. I'd love to meet you all.
0: Nice. Thank you so much. Keep it up. I know who, who I'll be calling. If I'm starting to think about Aliyah, I know it'll be you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for this wonderful work. Um, may you continue on successfully in this and helping many, many, many more Jewish people.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me having me here and you do incredible work also and it was really an honor to be here today.
0: Thank you, Rivka. Thanks to Rivka Libowitz for stopping by. You can find her inside her Facebook group, Living Financially Smarter in Israel, and her website, RivkaLeibovitz.com. I also want to thank you, my listeners, for being here. I know you have so much going on, and I'm grateful that you've taken a portion of your day to be with me here. And hopefully I make it better, and I enrich your days with content that is valuable, inspiring, and uplifting. If you've enjoyed this episode, hit that share link and forward this on to, on WhatsApp to your friend and help the show reach more women, perhaps by scrolling down the iTunes page to the review section and writing a short review. It only takes a second and it goes a very long way. I will be highlighting a review of the week every week on the Ask YaL Friday episodes and sending you a link where we get to connect for 20 minutes, which is so, so fun. It's hands down one of my favorite things to do to connect with my audience in that way. So let's get together. Submit that review on iTunes and we might get a chance to connect. And speaking of connecting, I hope I will see all of you, my podcast listeners, inside the Bitajon Boost Retreat this sunday july 25th we're going to spend a whole day together we're going to learn together we're going to grow we're going to laugh and cry i'm a bit of a crier so don't be surprised if i cry during some of the exercises this is a day that's been designed for us to really go deep into a work that is most needed and often overlooked strengthening our vitachon our absolute trust in god And we are women of action in this podcast. I know that much. So we are showing up for ourselves and the world because yes, this is how we will change the world by changing ourselves first. We are showing up for this inside the Bitachon Boost Retreat. I will see you Sunday inside the program and of course inside our private Facebook group community opening up in just a few days to get us ready and pumped up for the retreat. This is your last chance to grab that early bird pricing of only $127 so head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash retreat to get your early bird pricing. I hope you have a beautiful day and I'll be back with you tomorrow with one of our mini sods. Have a great day.
1: Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.